Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Jordan, Chapter 2. Janet wasn't at breakfast the next morning. Her new gold Mercedes was gone, and she hadn't left a note. Libby saw, uh, Libby saw it as a bad omen. The weekend passed. The weekend passed with nothing remarkable except for Janet's continued absence. The truck was ready Saturday, and Kurt picked it up in town. Catching a lift with one of Jordan's cowboys. It was as luxurious as a Mercedes, but it had a good engine, and it was handy for hauling things like salt blocks and bales of hay. Libby tried to picture hail and hay and Janet's Mercedes, and almost went hysterical with laughter. Libby went back to work at Blake Kemp's office early Monday morning, dropping off by Kurt on his way to the feed store for Jordan. She felt as if she hadn't really had a vacation at all. Violet Harding, Mr. Kep's secretary, who was dark-haired, blue-eyed, pretty, and somewhat overweight, smiled at her. She came in. Hi, did you have a nice vacation? I spent it working. Chris, how did things go here, Violet? Don't even ask! That bad, huh? Libby remarked. Mabel, the blonde grandmother who worked at a reception, turned in her chair. After transferring a call into Mr. Kemp's office, Bad isn't the word, Libby, she said in a whisper, glancing down the hall to make sure the doors were all closed. That lawyer Mr. Kemp got to fill in for him got two cases confused and sent the clients to the wrong courthouses in different counties. Yes, Violet nodded. And one of them came in here and tried to punch Mr. Kemp? Libby pursed her lips. No. Did he have insurance? All three women chuckled. For an attorney who handles so many assault cases, Violet, he doesn't practice what he preaches. Mr. Kip punched the guy back, and they wound up out in the street. Our police chief, Cash Grier, broke it up and almost arrested Mr. Kip. <laughs> what about the other guy? Didn't he start it? Let me clean. The, the other guy was Duke Wright. Violet confessed, watching Libby call her. And Jeff Grier said that. Chief Grier said that instead of blaming Mr. Kemp for handling Mr. Wright's divorce, he should thank him for not bankrupting Mr. Wright in the process. <laughs> then what? Libby asked. Three women glanced quickly down the hall. Mr. Wright threw a punch at Chief Grier. Well, that was smart thinking. Duke's in the hospital then. Libby asked. Fact, he's like, nope. Violet said her blue eyes were. But he was in jail briefly until he made bail. She said, I don't expect he'll try that twice. Crime has fallen about 50% since Cash Grier as chief. Pilots and smiling. And John Don as assistant chief. Libby reminded Poor Mr. Wright, Mabel said. He does have the worst luck. Remember that Jack Clark who worked for him? He was convicted of murdering that woman in Victoria? Mr. Wright sure hated the publicity. It came just when he was trying to get custody of his son. Mr. Wright. Would have had a lot less trouble if he didn't spend so much time out looking for it. Came a deep, gruff voice from behind them. They all jumped like Kelp was standing just at the entrance to the hallway with a brief in one hand and a coffee cup in the other. He was as much a distant Jordan Powell. He had wavy dark hair and blue eyes and the most placid, friendly face until he got in front of a jury. Nobody wanted to be across the courtroom from Kelp when a trial began. There was some young yellow and purple discoloration on a high cheekbone where his fist had apparently landed a blow. Duke Wright, Libby, terrorized silently. Libby, before you do anything else, would you bring me a pot of coffee, please? He asked in a long-suffering tone. He impaled a wincing violent with his pale blue eyes. I don't give a damn what some study says is best for me. I want caffeine. C-A-F-F-E-I-N-E. He had it spelled in letter by letter for Violet's benefit. I lifted her chin. Her own blue eyes glared right back. Mr. Cap. 
If you drank less of it, you might not be so bad-tempered. I mean, really, that's the second person you've thrown out of our office in a month. Chief Grier said that was a new city record. Cap's eyes were blazing now, narrowing the tent. Miss Hardy, do you want to still be employed here tomorrow? Violet looked as if she was giving that question a lot. But, sir, she began. I like caffeine. I'm not giving it up. Cap said coolly. You don't change my routine in this office. Is that clear? But. Mr. Capture, I don't remember suggesting anything so personal to you. He shot back, clearly angry. I could, however. He added us his cold blue eyes made insinuations about her figure, which was at least two dress sizes beyond what it should have been. All three women gasped at the outrageous insinuation, and they glared at their boss. Violet Flesher stood up as angry as he was, but not intimidated one bit by the stare. My, my father always said that a woman should look like a woman and not a skeleton encased in skin. I may be a little overweight, Mr. Cat, but at least I'm doing something about it. He glanced importantly at a cake and a box on her desk. She called, I live out near the Heart Ranch. I promised Tessard I'd bring that up at the bakery for her before I came to work and drop it off by her house when I go home for lunch. It's for a charity tea party this afternoon. I do not eat cake. Not anymore. <laughs> Stared at her till she went red. Sat back down. She averted her eyes and went back to work. Her hands on the computer keyboard were trembling. You fire me if you want to, Mr. Kep, but nothing I said to you was, was as mean as what you were insinuating to me with that look. I know I weigh too much. You don't have to rub it in. I was only trying to help you. Mabel and Libby were still glaring at him. He shifted uncomfortably and put the brief down on Violet's desk. Was like, there were six spelling errors on net. And that, you'll have to redo it. You can buzz me when the coffee's ready. He added shortly and turned on his heel and took his coffee cup back into his office. As an afterthought, he slammed the door. Oh, and like anybody short of druggists could read those chicken scratches on paper that you call handwriting. Violet muttered, staring daggers after him. Libby let out the breath she'd been holding and gave that sweet. Bible Violet, who'd never talked back to Miss Kip in eight months, she'd work for him. So did Mabel. Well, it's about time, Mabel said, laughing delightedly. Good for you. Violet, it's no good letting a man walk all over you, no matter how crazy you are about him. Hush! Violet explained, glancing quickly to them. He'll hear you. He doesn't know, Libby said confidently, putting an arm around Violet. And we'll never tell. I'm proud of you, Violet. Me too, Mabel grinned. I guess he'll fire me. Might not be a bad thing. I spent too much time trying to take care of him, and he hates it. Her blue eyes were wistful under their long, thick lashes. You know, I've lost 15 pounds, remember, and I'm down to dress size. A new diet? Libby asked absently as she checked her entry. A new gym, just for women, finally confessed. I love it. Libby looked at the other woman with admiration. You're really serious about this, aren't you? Violet's shoulder moved gently. She was wearing a purple dress with a high collar and lots of frills on the bodice and a very straight sh skirt that clung to her hips. It was the worst sort of dress for a woman who had a big bust and wide hips. But nobody had the heart to tell Violet. I had to do something. I mean, look at me. I was so big. You're not that big. But I think it's great that you're trying so hard, Violet, Libby said gently. And to keep you on track, Mabel and I are giving up desserts when you eat lunch with us. I have to go home and see about Mother most every day at lunchtime, Violet cried. She hates that. She said I was wasting my whole life worrying about her when I should be out having fun, but she's already had two little strokes in the past year since Daddy died. I can't leave her alone. Honey, people like you are why there's a heaven. Mabel murmurs off. You're one in a million. Violet Everybody's got problems. She laughed for all we know. Mr. Kep has big, bigger ones than we do. He's such a good person. When Mother had that last stroke, the battle honey even drove me to the hospital after I got the call.
He is a good person, Lou agreed. But so are you. You better make that coffee, I guess. Possible. I really thought I could make it happen, happen. He wouldn't be able to taste the difference. So uptight lately. He's always in a hurry. Always under pressure. He drinks caffeine like water, and it's so bad for his heart. I know about hearts. My dad died of a heart attack last year. I was just trying to help. It's hard to help a rattlesnake across the road, Violet Mabel said, tongue in cheek. The beer's courage by the con. Coincidence of Violet's father dying of a heart attack like her father such a short time. Violet, can you find one nice thing to say about a serial killer? Libby agreed affectionately. Even worse. She could find one nice thing to say about my stepmother. Ouch! Mabel groaned. Now there's a hard case if I ever saw one. She shook people in Brandonville are still talking about her and old man Darby. Libby was just filing the coffee pot, filling the coffee pot, stared, started to bring turn to Excuse me? Didn't I ever tell you? Mabel asked him. Just a sec. Good morning. Kept low office. She said, yes, sir, I'll connect you. She started to push the intercom button when she saw Woods shocked that it was already depressed. The light was on the switch. She and Libby, who also seemed to exchange sick, good night, and glances quickly without telling her. I just pushed it off. Then only <clears throat> Mr. Kep, it's Mrs. Lawson for you on line two. She waited, hung up, and swung her chair around. She didn't dare tell poor Violet that Mr. Kep probably heard every single word she said about him. Your stepmother, Janet, Mabel told Libby, was working at a nursing home over in Brantonville. She sweet-talked an old man who was a patient there into leaving everything he had to her. They said that Janet didn't even give him a proper funeral. She had him cremated and put in an urn, and there was a graveside service. They said she bought a designer suit to wear to it. Libby was getting cold chills. There was too many similarities that there to be a coincidence. Janet had wanted to have Riddle Collins cremated too, but Kurt and Libby had talked to the funeral director and threatened a lawsuit if he complied with Janet's request. They went home and told Janet the same thing and also insisted on a huge funeral at the Presbyterian Church where Riddle had been a member since childhood. Janet had been furious, but, but at the end she reluctantly agreed. Violet wasn't saying anything, but she had a funny look on her face and seemed pale. She turned away before the others saw, but Libby's expression was thought-provoking. You're thinking something. What? Marvel asked Libby. Fortunately, the phone rang again while Libby was deciding if it was wide to share her thoughts. Violet got up from her desk and went to close Libby. She wanted to cremate your father, too, didn't she? Libby noticed. Libby nodded. You should go talk to Mr. Kep. Libby smiled. You know, Violet, I think you're right. She hugged the other girl and went back to Mabel. When he gets off the phone, I need to talk to him. Mabel Green. Now you're talking. She checked the board. He's free. Just a sec. She pushed the button. Mr. Kep, Libby needs to speak to you. If it's conven convenient, send her in, Mrs. Jones. Good luck, Mabel said, crossing her fingers. Libby grinned. Come in. Kept said, open the door for Libby and closing it behind her. Have a seat. I don't need ESP to know what's on your mind. I had a call from Jordan Powell at home last night. Her eyeballs aren't. Well, he jumped the gun. He's concerned, probably with good reason. Yeah. I went ahead on my own and had a private detective I know run to check on Janet's background. This isn't the first time she's become a widow. I know, Libby said. Mobble says an elderly man in a nursing home left her everything he had. She had him set off to be cremated immediately after they got him to the funeral home. You know, and I understand from Don Hendley at our funeral home here that she tried to have the same thing done with your father, but you and your brother threatened a lawsuit. We did, Libby said. Daddy didn't believe in cremation. He would have been horrified. Kept leaning back in his desk chair and crossed his long legs with his hands behind his head. Pursed his lips and narrowed his blue eyes to him. There's another thing, he said. Janet was fired from the nursing home for being too friendly with their wealthiest patients, one of whom, the one you know about, was an elderly widower with no children. He died of suspicious causes and left her his estate. 
Libby folded her arms. She felt chilled all over now. Wasn't it enough for her? She wondered aloud. Actually, it took the entire state to settle his gambling debts, he murmured. Apparently, he liked the horses a little too much. Then there was our father. She anticipated his next home. That was after Mr. Hardy in San Antonio. Libby actually gasped. It couldn't be. Kept me for Do you think Violet is happy having to live in a ringed fire trap with her invalid mother? Her parents were wealthy, but a waitress at Mr. Hardy's favorite restaurant apparently began a hot affair with him and talked him into making her a loan of a quarter of a million dollars to save her parents from bankruptcy and her father from suicide. He gave her a check and had a heart attack before he could stop payment on it, which he planned to. He told his wife and begged forgiveness of her and his daughter before he died. As I know, he died shortly after he was seen with a pretty blonde at a San Antonio motel downtown. You think it was Janet? That it wasn't a heart attack at all? That she killed him? I think there are too many coincidences for comfort in her past, Cap said finally. But the one eyewitness who saw her with Harding at the motel was unable to pick her out of a lineup. She had her hair color changed just the day before the lineup. She remembered a brunette for about a, she remained a brunette for about a week, then changed back to a blonde. Libby's face right. She might have killed my father. <laughs> she bit off. That is a possibility. It's early days yet, Libby. I can't promise you anything, but if she's guilty and I can get her on a witness stand in court of law, I can break her, he said with frightening confidence. She'll tell me everything she knows. I don't want her to get away with it, but Kurt and I work for wages. He flapped his hand in her. Every lawyer takes pro bono cases occasionally. I haven't done it in months. You and Kurt can be my public service for the year. Yeah, and then he actually smiled. It made him look younger, much less dangerous than he really was. I don't know what to say. She said, taking her head in disbelief, healing for Say, you'll be careful. He replied, I can't find any suspicion that she ever helped a young person have a heart attack, but I don't doubt for a minute that she knows how. But I don't doubt for a minute that she knows how. I'm working with Micah still on the aspect of it. There isn't much he doesn't know about the darker side of medicine, even if he is a doctor. And what he doesn't know about black ops and timely death, Cash Grier does. I thought Daddy died of a heart attack condition nobody knew he had. When I tell Kurt, he'll go crazy. Let me tell him, kept so quiet. It will be easier. Okay, meanwhile, you have to go back home and pretend that nothing's wrong, that your stepmother is innocent of any foul play. That's imperative. If you give her a reason to think she's being suspected of anything, she'll bolt, and we'll, we may never find her. We got our place back with... We'd get our place without a fight, Libby commented whistling. And a woman who may have murdered your father, among others, would go free, Kept replied. Is that really what you want? Libby shook her Of course not. I'll do whatever you say. We'll be working in the background. The most important thing is to keep the pressure on a little at a time so that she doesn't get suspicious. Tell her you're spoken to an attorney about the will, but nothing more. Okay. She agreed. Yeah. Don't tell Violet I said anything to you about her father. He added, his broad shoulders moved restlessly under his expensive beige suit as if he were carrying some difficult work. She's sensitive. What a surprising comment from such an insensitive man. She thought, but she didn't dare say it. She only smiled. Certainly. She was reaching for the doorknob when he called her back. Yes, sir. When you make another pot of coffee, he said, hesitantly, I guess we could use some of that half and half. Her jaw dropped. Her jaw dropped, told his own story. She means well, he said abruptly and turned back to her. But for now, I want it strong and black and straight up. Call me when it's made and I'll bring my cup. 
We should be ready right now. She folded even in more modern times. Few bosses want to get their own coffee, but Mr. Kep was something of a puzzle. He perhaps let me thought wickedly as she followed him down the hall, even to himself. He glanced at Violet strangely, but he didn't make any more comments. Violet sat with her eyes glued to her computer screen so he poured his coffee and went back to his office. Libby wanted so badly to say something to her, but she didn't know what. In the end, she just smiled and made a list of the legal persistence she would have to look up for Mr. Kep at the law library in the county courthouse. Thank God she thought for computers. She was on her way home in the pickup truck after a long day when she saw Jordan on horseback watching several men drive the pregnant heifers into pastures close to the barn. He had a lot of money invested in those purebred calves, and he wasn't risking them to predators or difficult births. He looked so good on horseback, she thought dreamily. He was arrow straight, and his head, covered by the wide-brimmed creamy Stetson he favored, was tilted in a way that was particularly his. She could have picked him out of any crowd at a distance just by the way he carried himself. He turned his head when he heard the truck coming down the long dirt wrote and motioned Libby over to the side. She parked the car, cut off the engine, and stood on the running board to talk to him over the top of the old vehicle. I wish I had a camera, she called Mama Pal, protecting his babies. You watch it, he retorted, shaking a finger at it. She laughed. What are you going to do? Jump the fence and run me down? Poor old George here couldn't jump a fence. He's 24. He had a pat in the old horse with withers. He hates his corral. I thought I'd give him a change of scenery since I was, wasn't going far. Everything gets old, I guess. Most everything, anyway. She had it with a far away, wistful look in her eyes. She had an elderly horse of her own that she might yet have to get, give away because it was hard to feed and keep him on her salary. He dismounted and left George's reins on the ground to jump the fence and talk to her. Did you see Kip? Yeah. Yes. He said you phoned him. I asked a few questions and got some uncomfortable answers. He said, coming around the truck to Sam's side, her, his big lean hands went to her waist and lifted her down close to him. Too close! She could smell the shaving lotion and feel the heat of his own body under the western cut long sleeve shirt and her simple jacketed suit. She felt overly dressed. You don't look too bad when you fix up. He commented, proving in her light makeup and the gray suit that made her eyes look greener than they were. You don't look too bad when you don't, she replied. What uncomfortable answers are you getting? His eyes were so, I think you can guess. I don't like the idea of you and Kurt alone in that house with her. We have a shotgun somewhere. I'll make a point of buying some shells for it. Shucker, by the way, I'm not teasing. Can you lock your bedroom door? Can Kurt? It's an old house, Jordan. She thought none of the bedroom doors have locked. Tell Kurt. I said to get bolts and put them on. Do it when she's not home. In the meantime, put a chair under the doorknob. But why? She asked uncertainly. He drew a long breath. His eyes went to her soft bow of a mouth, and he studied it for several seconds. Before he spoke, there's one very simple way to cause a heart attack. You can do it with a hypodermic syringe filled with nothing but air. She couldn't speak for a moment. Could they tell that if they did an autopsy on my father? I'm not a forensic specialist, despite the fact that there are half a dozen shows on TV that can teach you how to think you are. I'll ask somebody who knows. He added. She hated the thought of disinterring her father, but it would be terrible if he met with foul play and never came out. Till her face up those narrow dark eyes. You're worrying, don't. I'm as close as your phone, not a day. She smiled gently. Thanks, Jordan. His thumb moved on her waist while he looked down at her. His face hardened. His eyes were suddenly on her soft mouth with real hunger. The world stopped. It seemed like that. She met a searching gaze and couldn't breathe. Her body felt achy, hungry, feverish. He swallowed, opened it in show. If you play your cards right, I might let you kiss me. 
He murmured, excuse me, one big shoulder lifted up, where else are you going to get any practical experience, he asked, Duke Wright is a candidate for the local nursing home matter, he's 36, he explained, that isn't old, I'm 32, he pointed out, I have all my own teeth, he grinned at the them, and I can still outrun at least two of my horses. That's an incentive to kiss you, she asked blankly. Think of the advantages if you kiss me during a stampede. He pointed out. She laughed. It was a case. <laughs> Her eyes were I'll keep you in mind, she promised. But you mustn't get your hopes up. The status full of lonely bachelors. You can't get women to kiss them. You'll have to take a number and wait. <laughs> wait until what? And he asked, twerking her waist with his thumb. I don't know. Christmas. I could kiss you as part of your present. His eyebrows were What's the other part? <laughs> It's not Christmas. Listen, I have to go home and make supper. I'll send Kurt on down, he said. She was seeing a new pattern. Make sure I'm not left alone with Janet. Is that right? For my peace of mind, he corrected. I've gotten used to you. He added so as a neighbor, he had a delivery. Think how hard it would be to break in another one at my age. <laughs> you just said you weren't old, she reminded. Maybe I am just a little. He confessed, drew her up until she was standing completely against him, so close that she could feel the hard pressure of his muscular legs against her. Come on, he taunted, but in his head was a mischievous little smile. You know you're dying to kiss me. I am, she whispered dreamily as she studied the long, wide, firm curve of his lips. Desperately, she felt his nose brushing against her. Somewhere, a horse was neighing. A jet flew over. The wind ruffled leaves in a small tree nearby. She was deaf to any sound other than the throb of her own heartbeat. There was nothing in the world except Jordan's mouth, scant inch from her own. Never kissed her. She wanted him to. She ached for him to. His hands tightened on her waist, lifting her closer. Come on, chicken. Give it all you've got. Her hands were flat against his chest, feeling the warm muscles under his cotton shirt. She tasted his breath. Her arms slid up to his shoulders. He had her hypnotized. She wanted nothing more than to drown him. That's it, he whispered. She closed her eyes and lifted up on her tippy toes as she felt the slow, soft press of her own lips against his for the first time. Her knees were weak. She didn't think they were going to support her. So Jordan didn't move. Didn't respond. Frustrated, she tried to lift up higher. Her arms circling his neck and pulled. Tried to make his mouth firm and deepen above hers, but she couldn't budge him. Oh, you arrogant. It was the opening he'd been waiting for. His mouth crushed out against her open lips, and his arms contracted hungrily. Libby moaned sharply at the rush of sensation it caused in her body. It had never been like this in her life. She was burning alive. She ached. She longed. She couldn't get close enough. Hey, Jordan. The distant shout broke the spell. Jordan jerked his head around to see one of his men waving a wide-brimmed hat and gesturing toward a pickup truck that was driving right out into the pasture where Jordan was putting those pregnant heifers. It's the feed supplement I ordered, he murmured, letting her go slowly. Damn his time, and he didn't smile when he said that. She couldn't manage even a word. He touched her softly swollen mouth with his fingertips. Maybe you could take me on a date, and we can get lost on some deserted country road he suggested she took a breath and shook her head to clear i do not seduce men in park carts she pointed out he snapped his finger damn he's waving at you again she noted looking over her shoulder all right i'll go to work but also incurred on home he touched me be careful okay she managed a weak smile okay turned and vaulted the fence mounting george with the ease of years of practice as a horseman see ya she nodded and watched him right away. Her life had just changed course in the most unexpected way. End of chapter 2